You notice there in verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the, get this, the bride spirit and the bride say come. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're doing with our life. And that's what the church is doing. Asking the lost man to come to Christ. He says, you will not come unto me that you might have life. So he says, come. Let him that heareth say, come. Let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever, see that word? You ought to underline that. Whosoever will take him, let him take the water of life. What's the cost? Freely. So this water is the water of life. Talking about eternal life, it is free. So if it's free, it cannot be referring to any good deeds that a man can do. Nothing. Even if he adds to or takes away, it cannot change the fact that eternal life is free. But the man that you witness to, or that hears the gospel, in verse 18 when he says, For I testify unto... Now, get this. This is every man. Then the church and the spirit is saying, come. But every man who hears this, the gospel invitation, every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add to it. So if you add to the gospel of grace, is it grace? It's no longer grace. So you can't add to it. And you can't take away from it. You can't take and remove grace from the good news of how to have this free. It's free. It's living water. It's what we preach to everybody in the world. But the lost man, and there's a world of people adding to and taking away. He can't really believe that. That's too simple. You've got to make more. You've got to add works to it. So you cannot add to the words of the prophecy of this book. Now there is a blessing that God says in the book of Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed are those who simply, they hear this word, read and hear it. And that means hear means to understand. Hear means to accept. Hear means to believe it. And so because this book of Revelation is written to the church. And we're supposed to say to the lost, come. And if they come... They will have eternal life. But if they don't, the moment a person dies, all their opportunities are gone. The lot, the portion, part here says, God shall take away his part out of the book of life. In other words, the opportunity to have eternal life is gone forever. Look what he says there in verse 10 of chapter 22. And he said unto me, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. In other words, when time is all over, and there is no more time, all opportunities are gone. However a man is, when he dies, he's either just or unjust. If he is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he says, and that which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. So only the wicked can do the filthy and only the righteous can do the holy. So it's a separation of believers and unbelievers. So if you add to the word of God because you don't believe what he said. When you take away from the word of God because you don't believe what he said. 
And there's lost people who will not believe the simplicity of the gospel. All their opportunities, when they die, it's all gone. There are no more opportunities. You can't get into heaven. You can't get into the holy city. All your opportunities are shot. Now, it's either believers or it's to the Christian. Have fun. Now, take your Bible and turn to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy in chapter 4. I'll have to admit, that, that verse really threw me for a loop. 1 Timothy in chapter 4. This is a true verse that shows you that it is possible for God's people to go astray and to um, have shipwreck in their life. See there in, uh, before we read there, just look in 1 Timothy chapter 1. And look what he says in verse 19. Verse 19 says, Holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. So you see, you and I, when we trust Christ as Savior, we're on the foundation, which is Christ. He is the rock. Then we're supposed to build on this rock. He says, take heed how you build. So you and I, as we learn the Word of God, the verses in the Bible are like little boulders. And so our faith goes down and wraps around this verse. We believe that one. And our faith goes down and wraps around this verse. We believe that. So the more faith you have in more of these truths of God's Word, the more solid you will be. So some Christians, they're wide. They get involved and do a lot of things. But their roots are not deep, so they don't last. They burn out. So I'm just burn out. It's not because of anything God told you to do. The only reason you get burnt out is because your roots aren't deep. So you burn out because the sun gets hot and your roots aren't deep. You're not getting the moisture from the Word of God. In other words, I've been going at this thing for 55 years and I haven't even come close to being burnt out. I don't get tired of the Word of God. I don't, get, I don't even think I get weary in the Word of God, the work of God. I just go, 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 go. Why? Because my roots are deep within the Word of God that I have fresh water all the time. Like a tree planted by the rivers of, of water. So you stay refreshed. You stay encouraged. The joy of the Lord is my strength. No joy, no strength. When you study what God's Word says and your faith is deep in the Word of God, then you can serve the Lord with joy. But he says some have made shipwreck of their life. Now, look what it says here in chapter uh, 4. Look in verse 1. We're talking about how to behave yourself in the house of the Lord. In verse 1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, some, not everybody, but some, shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Does that mean that you lost your salvation? No, it doesn't mean you lose the salvation. It means you become a weak Christian. There are some Christians who are strong, and there's some Christians that are not very strong. Let's say, for example, if you become, since you trusted Christ, a stronger Christian, are you more saved? You mean just because you got stronger doesn't mean you're more saved now? Because if you become a weaker Christian, does that mean you're less saved? See, they can't think. They, don't, they can't reason. There's no logic in their understanding. 
if God saves me and he gives me eternal life and said, I'll never cast you, I'll never lose you, then blessed be God, believe that. And all the other verses in the Bible cannot contradict that truth. It means there might be another understanding of it. And there is. Because the word of God does not contradict itself. There is none. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Don't be afraid that you're saved by grace. And don't be scared to say, well, I don't know if I want to use that term, once saved, always saved. Once saved, always saved is the gospel. That's what makes it good news. That once you're saved, you're always saved. Who wants to be saved for a day? Or an hour? Or a month? Even a year? No, good news is you're saved forever. Once you're saved, you are always saved. Once he saves you from hell, he can't never send you to hell. Because he didn't save me because I promised that I'm going to be a good little boy now. He saved me by grace. I did not deserve it. That payment Christ made put to my account, I'm going to heaven. Now, should a Christian serve God? Yes. I don't know anybody who hit it any harder than what I do. Why do you think we have a Bible college for it? So we make sure these kids go to heaven. No. They're already going to heaven. We want them to learn the word of God so that they can be strong, not more saved. So he says here, and look there in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. He said, but I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself. Does the word of God tell us how God's people ought to behave? That's why you come to church, to learn how do you spiritually behave. You cannot use your mind, human reasoning, and guide your life. You study the word of God so that you'll know how to be spiritually minded. Mind the spirit. Fleshly minded, mind the flesh. See how simple that is? So when you study the word of God, mind the word of God. Be spiritually minded. So he makes a statement here in verse 4, verse 1 of chapter 4. Some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devil. They'll listen to other things. They're children of God, but they're listening to things that was not going to make them strong. Now, hold your place right here and look in the book of Ephesians in chapter 4. The book of Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, sometime while I'm talking, I, I think of another verse. Have you noticed that? Just once in a while I do that. But in Ephesians in chapter 4, look what he says in verse 12. Ephesians chapter 4. Now he already said that he gave to the church some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some teachers. And then in verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints. I mean to equip the saints, to teach them. But not all of God's children, listen, not all of God's children are obedient. Not all of God's children grow. Some of them live like the devil. But they're still God's children. And that's why God's going to have to chasten them and discipline them. Maybe take them home before their time. But there's a choice they've got to make. So he says here, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry... Then notice what he says in verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and all have the same knowledge and we all 
have or become a mature man in Christ. Now look in verse 14. That we henceforth. Now here's why you want to grow in the Lord. So that you can keep your salvation. No. Verse 14. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine that we're reading about in 1 Timothy in chapter 4 and verse 1. Because if you don't grow strong in the Lord, you're going to grow weak in the Lord. And you can even get to where you doubt your salvation and question whether you're going to heaven or not. And think that you're lost because of what some people say. But if you have ever been saved, you still are saved. You can't lose your salvation and nobody has ever been saved twice. It's impossible to save you twice. God can't give you eternal life twice. And the only way you could have lost your salvation is, is Christ didn't pay for all of your sins when he saved you. Because you committed a few more. Oh, now what am I going to do about those? Wait a minute, he paid for those too. All of them. So once you understand it, it makes so much sense and it's easy. And it's, there's verses that talks about us serving God, but they always want to take them and make it into something else. Let me give you uh, another one that I... Have. I won't be able to finish all of these. I'm going to do some of this tonight. But take your Bible and turn to Ezekiel chapter 18. The book of Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel chapter 18. And uh, there's a verse here that um, might knock your socks off. Ezekiel 18 and verse 24. It um, refers to... God chastening his people because of their, you know, their disobedience. And he says, um, even those who know him and are, are righteous individuals, but uh, they're not living right. And he says, they're going to die. So he makes this statement here in Ezekiel 18. Uh, look for what he says very quickly there in uh, verse 4. Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. But if a man be just and do that which is lawful and right, and blah, 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 goes on down there, then he, he shall live. See that in verse 9? Hath walked in my statute, hath kept my judgment to deal uh, truly. He is just, he shall surely live, saith the Lord God. And if he begat a son, go through the whole thing. He's talking about those who live and those who die. Did you realize that whether you live or die is in God's hands? He can take your breath just like that. He can cause that heart to stop just like that. And you don't have to ask your permission. You have no guarantee on how long you're going to live. But as he goes down through here, he's talking about those that God can take, and he can. But he says, if you're rebellious and disobedient, he had already laid down the law to Israel that if you do this and this, you are to be killed. If your son or daughter rebelled, parents could have their kids put to death. But wouldn't that make them, yes, mom, yes, mom, yes, mom, you bet, mom. Now, we're not under the law and we're not Israel. Uh, this was under the law. And whenever they sinned, they had to kill an innocent animal. That's why they had all the sacrifices. But that's why they were taken into captivity. And that's why there are certain laws laid down that you had to die. But he says... Um, you're not going to have to die for this one, and this one doesn't die for this one. You die because of you. Every soul sinneth, we all die. So you and I have all sins. We're all going to die. 
So, but look what he says down in verse 21. Verse 21, but if the wicked will turn from all his sins. See, there's a verse in the Bible that actually says turn from all of your sins. Is it in the Bible? But we're not talking about salvation. We're talking about physical life or physical death. The whole chapter is talking about physical life or physical death. And God can take your life. And in Israel, under the law, they, he did. And he had many of them that died because of their rebellion against the Lord. And there's other ones that God spared. So God can let some live and some die. You remember when the 12 spies went in and they came back and 10 of them had an evil report and convinced the people, hey, they're giants in the land. We can't go in. They're like the children of Anak. And uh, we can't do it. Joshua and Caleb says, yes, we can. Yes, we can. God promised. We got it. No, no, no. And so they turned the children of Israel and all the people that was against it. God says, you're going to die in the wilderness. So they all died. Joshua and Caleb didn't die. And all those who were 20 and under lived to go into the promised land. So God can, even over 40 years, that one died, that one died, that one died, that one died, that one didn't, that one didn't, that one didn't, that one didn't. And then we get God. So he says here in verse 21, But if the wicked will turn from all his sins that he hath committed, and keep all my statutes, and do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live, and he shall not die. Now, if we're talking about how to go to heaven, oh, that would be a, a works verse. But are we talking about how to go to heaven? No. And the context will not talk to you about that. This is different altogether. So they'll take a verse and try to make it say something. There's no hell in this verse. Not talking about how to be saved. This verse is talking about your physical life. Whether you lived or whether you died. Because God wants you to know, look, I have that power. Everyone in this room, all souls, he says, are mine. And he says, all that sin will die. So you're all going to die. But you want to live as long as you can before you die. True? If God came in here right now and says, look, I'm taking a load this afternoon at 1 o'clock. I bet most of you wouldn't want to go. You'd want to hang on just a little bit longer. I'll, I'll take the next load. When's the next trip? Five years. I'll, I'll, that'll be good for me. You're willing to go to heaven. You're ready to go to heaven. But, well, not yet. Well... Take your Bible and turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 61. The book of Isaiah, chapter 61. When you talk about man's righteousness, it's one thing. That's why in that verse he said, but when the righteous shall turn away from his righteousness. See, that was in that verse. His righteousness. We don't go to heaven on our righteousness. Going to heaven is always on his righteousness. See, if Christ walked in here right now, he came into this world. He kept the law perfectly, did not sin. And, and here's Yankee. He came into this world, and he broke everything. He did everything wrong. And the Lord says, look, I'll give you my righteousness. I'll take all of your sins. I'll pay for what you've done. And he gives me his righteousness. Well, if he gave me his righteousness, then that makes me as righteous as God. Now, look what he says in Isaiah chapter 61. Look there in verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garment of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom. Decketh himself with ornaments as the bride adorneth herself with jewel. For as the earth bringeth forth her bud, and as the garden causes things that are sown in it to come forth, spring forth, so the Lord God will 
cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nation. God is talking about his righteousness that he's going to give to everybody that will believe. Now take your Bible and turn over there with me real quick to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians and chapter 5. And see whether or not is it my righteousness that I get saved by and keep my salvation, or is it God's righteousness? Look what it says, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. This is an awesome verse. You ought to have this verse underlined in your Bible. If you don't have it underlined, you probably are not saved. Scratch that last remark. As the judge tells the jury, you disregard that last remark. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, look at verse 21. For he, God, hath made him Jesus Christ, who knew no sin. He was perfect to be made sin for us, that we might be made the what? Righteousness of God in him. Now look up here. Let me show you this, because this is so important that you get it. This is you and me. This is sin. We have all sinned. The soul that sinneth shall die. Physically, we're going to die. But when we're dead, there is no way to get back to God. So you will be eternally separated from God. If you die unjust, you will be unjust still forever and ever and ever. There is no such thing as purgatory. Nobody's going to do any good work. Nobody's going to pay one penny and get you out of purgatory. There is no such place as purgatory. It's not in the Bible. It, people make a lot of money from it. I've thought about setting it up myself, but I just <laughs> do not But God loves us, hates our sin. And he says to go to heaven, you have to be perfect as righteous as God, and none of us are. We have all come short of God's perfection. This end represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into this world. He was perfect. His perfect righteousness. He did everything right. We did everything wrong. So what he did is he took all of our sins and paid for it on the cross. But I need his righteousness. So when I believe this, he gives me his righteousness and I go to heaven on what he did for me. So in Ezekiel 18, verse 24 when it says about the wicked and his righteousness. You see, that's about physical life. It's just the same thing as true. If a lost man obeys the law, the law doesn't pay him anything. But if he breaks the law, he has to pay. The same thing goes for the Christian. If a, a saved man and a lost man walks out these doors and it rains outside, which one gets rained on? It rains on both of us. And we both have the same kind of problems. Saved man, lost man, and we both die. But don't you want to live longer? If a man takes another man's life, he might have shortened his life. They might, they just love to take his. So we want to live as long as we can. But when we talk about going to heaven, we have to go to heaven on God's righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. And if he gave you his righteousness, then make you as righteous as God. That's why it's so wonderful. Now, closing verse is the book of Philippians in chapter 3. The book of Philippians in chapter 3. Look at this verse. This is on page 1259 in a church Bible. But in Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. 
And look what it says. And be found in him not. See that word not? Not having my own what? Righteousness. So people who say, well, you've got to do more. You've got to do. No, 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 no. Not having my own righteousness, which is of the law. In other words, trying to earn my way to heaven. Trying to keep my salvation because yeah, I was saved by grace, but I got to keep it by my good works. Not by works. Has nothing to do with your going to heaven. I'm going to heaven because of what Christ did for me. Look at the last part of that verse. He said, And he found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but get this, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by what? By faith. So there's a by works righteousness and a by faith righteousness. A by works righteousness means you work. And God says, don't be found trusting in your works, but be found in him, having his righteousness, which is by faith and faith alone, without works. I'm just telling you what the book says. And they can just keep writing their letters to me. They're always trying to straighten me out. One man says, are you... Aren't you open-minded at all? I says, no, I am not. I says, my mind is like concrete. It's permanently set. He said, well, I'll debate you anytime. I've had two of them last night. They want to debate me. I says, if you want me to come and talk to your people, let me know when. See, they want to come here and debate in front of you and, and spread their filth and their trash and their garbage. I'm responsible for what happens here and what's preached here. And they ain't getting in. Say, you're, you're hard-nosed. <laughs> you got that right. I know what I believe. And I believe that what I believe is what I ought to believe. I believe it's the truth. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, don't you think that now would be a good time to do just that? The only thing you have to do, it's the only thing you can do, is where you believe that he did it for you, that he paid for your sins. All you need to do is Christ died for you, and you accept what he did for you. And he gives you as a free gift everlasting life. When you get up to leave, you can say, I know I have eternal life. I know I'm going to heaven because today I trusted Christ as my Savior. And friend, if you're making that decision, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to have you come forward, but I am going to ask for a raise of hand. Raising your hand does not save you. It just lets me know what I said made sense to you. And you're saying, preacher, that made sense to me, and today I will accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. I believe he did it for me, and I want to go to heaven when I die, and I'm trusting him right now. If you're making that decision, would you slip you in it very quickly and put it right back down? Just real quick, just slip it up, put it right back down. No tricks to it, no gimmicks. Anyone at all? If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, you're God's child. Learn to defend your faith. Learn the Word of God. Know what you believe and know why you believe it. Our Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for all you've done for us. And we thank you for this time together as we remember the Lord's Supper, as you told us to do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.